This is episode number 20 of the Better Bible Reading Podcast. Welcome to the show. Hey friends, welcome back to another episode on the Better Bible Reading Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Morris, as always. And if you hear some loud noise in the background, it's because it is currently raining very hard here at my house. Um, But if you hear something more along the lines of laughing or screaming, that would be my daughter. So just wanted to give that caveat. But hey, thanks for joining me for this show. This is episode number 20. We are not only in the double digits, but we are in the 20s. We have kissed our teen years goodbye in terms of podcast episodes. And we are here now with number 20. A little bit of weird uh, news here lately in the Christian world and Christian culture. And uh, it's grabbed my attention um, in a unique way, because it does seem to indicate um, some uh, repetition. Um, So what I'm getting at is this episode is going to be a little bit different. Um, I don't want to necessarily categorize it as a rant, but it is going to be a little bit different because I'm going to do a little bit of cultural analysis, and that's something that I enjoy doing, but that's not necessarily uh, what the bread and butter of this podcast is. However, when it comes to the Bible, everything relates to the Bible because the Bible is God's Word. Therefore, anything that relates to God uh, relates to the content of this podcast. And so we're going to be talking about a few things. Um, But hey, let me share with you real quick. I mention this quite often here on the podcast, but I want to say if you are new to the show, first of all, welcome. I am so grateful to have you. And even if you're not new to the show, but if you haven't necessarily taken action on some of the things that I have been promoting on here, uh, let me give you yet another encouragement. I have been saying for the last, I don't know, couple months worth of episodes um, that I offer free training. It is free training, no strings attached, no gimmicks, nothing like that, but it is simply free training on how to study a book of the Bible. We take a look at the book of Romans, and I help you literally from scratch figure out if you want to know how to study a book of the Bible, what would be a good process? What would be a simple process? What would be a powerful process? That's what I share with you in this training. So you can go to betterbiblereading.com forward slash free training, and you'll be part of an email sequence that I'll be sending you has a lot of good information, but a lot of actionable steps. So it's not just giving you a whole dose of knowledge, but it's actually helping you go from point A to point B. In this case, how to study a book of the Bible. We use the book of Romans. I show you how to do it, and you can literally take the template that I show you and apply it to any book of the Bible. So I hope you'll take advantage of that. Um, Again, not only for those of you who are new to the show, but also for those who have been listening but just haven't done that yet. Again, you can go to betterbiblereading.com forward slash free training, and you will get your instruction from there. But today is an important episode because, you know, we can talk about the Bible in abstract terms, 
we can talk about it in a way that, you know, I've mentioned before that people approach the Bible sometimes kind of as a hobby horse, kind of as a me and my Bible and my way of doing things and my way of study. And that's fine, you know, all well and good. But we have to remember that in our pursuit of studying the Bible and coming to a better understanding of it, it always correlates to the nitty-gritty of real life. And that can't be stressed enough. And surely you would agree with me. Surely you know that. But I feel like I have to say it because as I look at our current Christian culture, there's been uh, just in this month, there's been uh, two kind of headline news articles uh, in terms of confused Christians or even more than that, uh, somebody completely repudiating their faith and saying, I used to be a Christian. I said I was a Christian. Now I'm not a Christian. That's a big deal, right? That's that's a huge deal. Um, so today, I want to talk to you about a very, very, very important question for us to ask, and that is this. Does the Bible really have any relevance to the big questions of life. Now, maybe you're listening to this and you're saying, what in the world could be more apparent than the fact that the Bible does speak to the big questions of life? It is completely relevant. There goes the lightning and the thunder. If you heard it in the background, my apologies. Hopefully it didn't blow your eardrums, but it is really coming down here at the time of this recording. But hey, uh, I got to keep going with it. But, you know, it's a really important question for us to ask. Um, And more than that, it's an important question that we should have an answer to. I want to direct your attention to a very well-known passage in the Bible coming from the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter writes a very important book, which we call by way of shorthand, we call it First Peter because in the Bible it is the first letter of Peter that um, comes to us. And it says this. He says in this case, in First Peter chapter 3, verse number 15, he says this. He says, But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Two big-time articles have launched uh, in the month of August. The first one was an article that became viral. And honestly, I don't even know which one the first article was because there've been so many people writing their own pieces on it. Uh, but the Christian writer and pastor Joshua Harris came out and basically said, I am no longer a Christian kind of did a, a mic drop moment and even went so far as to apologize for anything theological that he had to say. The reason that this is a big deal is because this is a multi-million dollar author who wrote the book in 1997, I Kissed Dating Goodbye. He also wrote another book 
called Boy Meets Girl Say Hello to Courtship. So this was a writer who was very much at the cutting edge of a Christian approach to dating, a Christian approach to sexual purity, marriage. You can imagine those kind of books are written, obviously, for teenagers, for young adults, those thinking about marriage, those trying to go forward in um, having a good sexual ethic as a Christian. So this is a hugely influential person in Christian culture. I hate to use that phrase because honestly I don't like it, but I don't know what else to call it besides Christian culture. So he comes out and says that beginning of August. And honestly, it, it may have even been the very end of July because as I look, I see that these articles are written as early as August 1st. So it may have even been end of July when he said it. But any anyway, another – this one is way more recent, um, just a couple of days ago um, – Another article entitled this, Hillsong Writer, I'm Genuinely Losing My Faith. Now, that is relevant because if you are in the contemporary worship realm of things, you'll know that Hillsong United, Hillsong Church, Hillsong Incorporated, I don't even know if that's the right way to say it, but they have a lot of different ministries and programs and teams. So let's just call it for the sake of clarity um, or for the sake of ease. Let's call them Hillsong Incorporated. Um, this guy, which the article refers to, is Marty Sampson, who has written some of the top selling and most popular on YouTube and other places like that songs for Hillsong United and Hillsong Worship. And he says that he is genuinely losing his faith. This article was written, let's see the date here, was written on August 12th. So that matters because if you are in that world, in that realm, you'll know that Hillsong is one of the most influential, not just here recently, but really for the better part of three decades now, uh, the most influential worship group, not just performing, not just touring, but the sheer volume of Christian songs. I mean, any church that is not strictly hymns and traditional style of worship, I would say probably without fail, any church that has done contemporary has at least done some rendition of a Hillsong song. So really big deal that a writer for the widely influential Christian group has said, I'm genuinely losing my faith. Now, I will say for the sake of clarity that just the next day, August 13th, said he came back and clarified that he hasn't renounced his faith, at least for now. That's my little addition there. But it's on, quote, incredibly shaky ground. Now, this matters because you're talking about two people, two test cases, not necessarily two guys who would consider themselves Bible teachers, but certainly two guys who have 
promoted and shared and painted a picture of who God is. And because of that, they have been right into the Christian culture, into the Christian uh, media and video world, the Christian marketplace in terms of uh, what you can sell, what you can uh, put out there for people to purchase. So this is a big deal. This isn't you know just some secondary issue we're talking about here. We're talking about the economic world of Christianity, two heavy hitters in that world saying, in the one case, I am not a Christian anymore, period. And in another case, I don't know if I am or not. And this matters to us because, friend, listener, if we're going to read the Bible, I hope that it's not just for some hobby. I hope it's not so you can just win another Facebook debate when you share something that your atheist friends don't like. But I hope it's because you care to be in the presence of Almighty God. I hope it's because you want to know who God is, how he has revealed himself, what he cares about, what he has to say. And as you probably know, that has the utmost relevance to the meaning of life as we know it, especially the meaning of our lives as human beings. So it's a big deal. It's a big deal that we approach the Bible that way. Now, the reason that that has everything to do with these two articles is because in the case of Joshua Harris, he, for years, promoted a view of God, of what God had to say about sex, about marriage, about dating, about purity. And now that he has renounced the faith— he has literally come back and apologized for basically anything that he has said in in that whole realm. So what I'm saying is he has, on the one hand, for several decades, been a mouthpiece of what God has to say and what God thinks, what God approves and doesn't approve of, and now he comes back and says, basically, all that was wrong. I want to offer an apology. And he has even, he recently demonstrated his renouncement of Christianity and what he has said before by showing open support to a pride parade, an LGBTQ uh, parade. In fact, let me just pull up the article to show you or at least to read um, what he says. The article, this was written August 5th. He is seen in a picture wearing a rainbow shirt and eating a, something it looks like a rainbow donut, maybe? Can't really tell exactly what that is. Uh, but anyways, he was um, spotted in Vancouver at a pride parade on August 4th. Now, this is clearly, we th this episode, we don't even have to get into the issue of homosexuality, but the point is he is showing a complete 180 um, 
gesture of everything that he used to say. Now you look at the Hillsong writer, Marty Sampson, who said, I'm genuinely losing my faith, said that on his Twitter account. And he said this, time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. Like what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now, so at peace with the world. It's crazy. This is a soapbox moment here, so here I go. How many, pre- how many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be loved yet send four billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people, but it's not for me. I'm not in anymore. I hope you hear the connection that he just made. Let me read it for you. You probably caught it, especially if you're wondering where I'm going with this. He says in that paragraph, he said, why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. And then you look at the case with Joshua Harris again, writing about sexuality from the view of God and what God has to say, and then demonstrating an entire 180 to everything that he has before said as an author and preached as a teacher of the Bible. So this is a big deal because in both cases, you have somebody going all the way, if you will, and then you have somebody on the fence, if you will. And both of them have to do with the Bible. In the case of Joshua Harris, he doesn't say that the Bible is full of contradictions, like Marty Sampson from Hillsong seems to indicate. But instead, he said this. He said, to the LGBTQ community, I want to say that I'm sorry for the views that I taught in my books and as a pastor regarding sexuality. He continued in part, I regret standing against marriage equality for not affirming you and your place in the church and for any ways that my writing and speaking contributed to a culture of exclusion and bigotry. I hope you can forgive me. Now, the reason that that is so important is because, on the one hand, Marty Sampson says the Bible's full of contradictions. Joshua Harris instead says the Bible doesn't equate to the culture that we should be promoting, so I am bowing out. Now, think about it. He doesn't say that explicitly, but as a teacher and writer about the God of the Bible, he said to the LGBTQ community, I regret standing against marriage equality. So number one, in his mind, the Bible stands against marriage equality for not affirming you and your place in the church. The Bible must not affirm their place in the church. And number three, for any ways that my writing and speaking contributed to a culture of exclusion and bigotry. So there you go. You follow the Bible. It stands against marriage equality. It puts a crosshair on the LGBTQ community. That is a hard one to say. And 
it promotes a culture of exclusion and bigotry. What do we do with this? Because if we're reading the Bible for anything more than a hobby, if we're actually reading it to learn who God is and what he has to say, then we need to look at both vantage points here. We need to look at the vantage point of one, Joshua Harris, who says, I cannot equate the Bible to this culture. Therefore, I'm choosing culture. And the other example that says, I'm okay with some kind of halfway Christianity for now. Notice Marty Sampson said, I feel like I'm losing my faith and I'm happy about it. I'm at peace about it. I'm genuinely losing my faith and it doesn't bother me. Now, this is somebody who wrote songs called All I Need Is You, Speaking of God. I'm sorry to to laugh at it because it's not a joking matter, but it's absolutely mind-blowing in a way. So he writes a song called All I Need Is You. He writes a song called Came to My Rescue. I mean, you know, how do we make sense of this? How do we even begin to make sense of it and to work through it? Well, there's a few things we can do, but the first thing we need to do is to take seriously the charge that Peter gives. Give a defense for anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. Those two words, gentleness and respect, are very key because we don't want to come across like a better than mentality. But at the same time, if we take the Bible seriously, then we should come across as this is the truth or it's not. If it is the truth, I'm sticking to it, period. Not, yeah, I'm sticking to it, but it's full of contradictions. Well, if it's full of contradictions, then we shouldn't have anything to do with it. If it's 50% true and 50% wrong, it's wrong, right? And if we want to choose between Bible and culture— We have to either conclude that the Bible changes with the times, therefore we have to have some kind of contradictory view of truth. What was true in 1950 isn't true anymore. I'm not talking about preference. I'm not talking about dress style. I'm talking about truth. What was true in 1950 is not true now. Either you have to figure out how you're okay with that. Something can be true and not true at the same time. Is it a contradiction or is it just a different perspective? Well, in terms of the Bible, the Bible is either right or it's not. We either stand by it and give a defense for the hope that we have in God, in Christ, or we say, I can't work with this anymore. I reject it. I'm out. It has to be one or the other. So what I'm saying on one hand is, the case of Joshua Harris that says, I'm out, is going to be the eventual decision for the Marty Sampson. And these two are good test cases because 
to be sure, we have probably met people like this, or maybe you're listening to this and you actually fit one of the two categories. But I want to encourage you that as we seek to study the Bible and to read the Bible, that we are seeking the big questions. Remember, our topic today is, is there any relevance in the Bible to the big questions of life? For Joshua Harris, there are answers, but he doesn't like them. So he's renouncing them, and he's going with the culture and showing his approval for the culture. Very much as a public declaration of his rejection of the Bible and of the God of the Bible. But maybe you find yourself more like... Marty Sampson. Maybe you don't know much of the Bible. Maybe you've actually read through the Bible before, but you find yourself saying much of the same things as he does, such as no one talks about the fact that we don't see miracles happen today. No one talks about the fact that preachers fall. No one talks about the fact that the Bible is full of contradictions, according to him. No one talks about the fact that God can be love and send four billion people to a place all because they don't believe. That's his words there. In other words, he's saying his faith is being, quote, genuinely lost because no one's talking about the big questions. Now, I don't want to steal the thunder of what I thought was a very insightful response to a lot of this. I don't want to take credit where credit is not due to me. Um, There's another Christian band. This one is in the, and I apologize if you're just not in the contemporary music scene of Christianity and just didn't even know there was such a thing. Um, But this one is from the singer of the band Skillet. Now, I'm not a fan of Skillet, but I do appreciate what he has to say here. He actually responded just recently about all of this, all these issues um, happening of the Joshua Harrison, of the Marty Sampson. He says, well, he says a lot, so I'm not going to read all of it. Um, I'll actually post a link to this article slash interview because it's really important. But he does say this. Here's what he says. There's a common thread running through these leaders and influencers that basically says that, quote, no one else is talking about the real stuff. This is just flatly false. I just read today in a renowned worship leader statement, how could a God of love send people to hell? No one talks about it. Notice he just quoted Marty Sampson there. As if he is the first person to ask this, brother, you are not that unique. The church has wrestled with this for 1,500 years, literally. Everyone talks about it. Children talk about it in Sunday school. There's like a billion books written on the topic. Just because you don't get the answer you want doesn't mean that we are unwilling to wrestle with it. We wrestle with Scripture until we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, that, in my mind, is kind of a, a, a mic drop moment because he's right. In the minds of Marty Sampson, in the minds of Joshua Harris— The church doesn't know how to deal with the big issues. 
for Marty Sampson. The big issues are the issues in questions of hell, the questions of is the Bible reliable or not, uh, the question of how do we make sense of miracles today. And for Joshua Harris, the big question is how do we make sense of our culture and should we embrace the culture at the expense of the Bible? Should we try to fit the Bible into the mold of culture or should we somehow hold on to both? Well, for him, you can't hold on to both. At least he was willing to see that. But sadly and tragically, he chooses the culture over the Bible. But John Cooper from Skillet does make a really good point, especially at the very end. We wrestle with Scripture until we are transformed by the renewing of our minds. Now, that comes straight from Romans, which, by the way, another plug. This is the very book and the very passage that we focus on in depth in that free training I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. So if you're interested in this passage, please go to betterbiblereading.com forward slash free training because I'm going to walk you through this very passage in depth and we'll work our way through it. And I think you'll be really encouraged by it. But anyway, he quotes from Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. We have the idea of culture there, by the way. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. According to Paul in the book of Romans and according to Peter in 1 Peter, the Bible does answer the big questions of life. The Bible does reveal to us who God is. The Bible does teach us how we are supposed to understand culture in light of the Bible, what it means for us, how we are to live, how we are to have our standard of truth and what is right and good. In Paul's words, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. That is to say, the will of God, what God thinks, what he has to say. All of these things are covered and handled exhaustively in the Bible. So I hope that you see, first and foremost, that when we want to pursue reading the Bible, when I name this podcast Better Bible Reading, it's not just about knowledge. It's about the big questions of life. It's about the issues of sexuality. It's about the issues of our culture in general. It's about the issue of what is the role of the church in this world. It's about the issue of eternal things, heaven and hell, eternal life, salvation. That is what the Bible is all about. That is where we find those answers, and that is where answers are given. If that weren't the case... Paul would have no reason for saying that our minds should be transformed. Clearly, the culture is going to look different from what the Bible has to say if we are to transform our minds. And clearly, the Bible does give us a reason for hope. Otherwise, Peter would have no reason for saying to us that we should be able to give a good defense when people ask us for a reason for an answer, for an explanation of the hope that we possess as Christians. Another way to say it, as Bible believers, as readers of the Bible. And so, friend, as we 
look at these big headline articles, one of the knee-jerk reactions that I see quite often, especially on Facebook, is I knew he wasn't a Christian or I knew contemporary worship was demonic because this is what it produces. Now, I am a firm believer that the Bible does teach that it is impossible to lose our salvation. I'd love to go a lot more in depth with you on that. Um, Save that for another episode. But suffice to say, the Bible would have no reason to call salvation eternal life if it is not eternal. If we could lose it, it's not eternal. The very fact that it's called eternal life is that if you have it, you have it. Everlasting, eternal, never ending. Anyways, I'm getting off on a tangent there. But at the same time, while I do believe that somebody who publicly renounces the faith and doesn't repent and come back is not demonstrating that they were genuinely saved, but is demonstrating that they were living a lie. And that is true in both cases. That is true in what the Bible has to say from cover to cover. But friends, our reaction should not first and foremost be a response of judgment and self-approval. Instead, our response should be, is my mind renewed as it should be, according to Paul? Am I able to answer these big questions? Can I give a good defense, a good reason for the hope that is in me? Suppose Joshua Harris came to your house before turning away from the faith, sat down and had a conversation with you and asked you from the scriptures to sway his decision, would you be able to? Do you know the Bible like you should a couple episodes back? Have you been reading in all the places that you should be reading? That is to say, are you reading the entire Bible? Do you know how the Bible answers these questions? Do you believe that it does? Suppose Marty Sampson comes to your house and says, why is the Bible full of contradictions? Now, first of all, you have to decide whether he's right or not. Obviously, for me, my card's on the table. The Bible is either true or it's not. If it's full of contradictions, there's absolutely no reason for us to read it, period. I do not believe there are any contradictions in the Bible. I believe it's the Word of God, and God never lies, and God never changes, and God is truth. But suppose that Marty came to your house and said that. How would you respond to him? Would you be able to respond to him? How would you handle those issues? Says He says this as well. He says, I have and continue to analyze the arguments of prominent Christian apologists 
and biblical scholars and am open-minded enough to consider the arguments of atheist debaters and debaters from other religions. He says elsewhere that science seems to overthrow the Bible again and again. And basically that he's trying to work his way through all that. What would you say to him if he were to come over to your house and have a a one-on-one conversation with you? Is your knowledge of the Bible, is your ability, number one, to demonstrate that your mind has been renewed by it, that you believe is transformative, and that you believe it answers the big questions of life? Do you think there's any relevancy found in the Bible to the questions and comments that these two men seem to be making? I hope that you can answer that in an affirmative. hope you can answer that with a resounding yes and amen. Absolutely, that is where I'm at. But I want you to do a, a, a genuine evaluation of yourself. And then I want you to ask a really simple question. Are you taking advantage of all the content that I've been putting out thus far on the Better Bible Reading podcast? Because it's it's cute and it's neat and it's fun to reinvent our reading process and learn a whole lot of tidbit information about the Bible and these little nuances that we can rattle off in Sunday school classes and on one-on-one little theology conversations that we have, or these profound quotations and statements we can make on Facebook to demonstrate our wonderful, vast knowledge of the Bible. But what happens when it hits home with the nitty-gritty issues such as these two articles? Because this is real life. This is the Word of God and the reality of what we're dealing with is the reality of eternal matters. God tells us not to neglect His Word. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. If we neglect it, first of all, we won't understand where we're going, but we also won't see ourselves clearly. We won't have a clear pathway. We won't be able to understand what our life is all about, and we also won't be a beacon to others. It's all about getting into the Bible for better Bible reading, but I've said it again and again and again that reading the Bible is not an end in and of itself, but it is for us to know God, to meet God where He can be found, where He has communicated to us with inscripturated truth, the written word of God. That's what the Bible is. If it's not that, let's just stop wasting our time and move on to something else. But if it is that, then let us not be like these two men, but let us also be the ones who can provide a reasonable answer of hope to these two men. And we don't do that by our incredible speaking skills, but we do that by how well we know God's Word. That is to say, how well we know truth.
Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thank you for your time. I leave you with some food for thought because honestly, it's hard to say at times whether we can actually demonstrate a good answer, but I hope you see even more incentive, not just in terms of knowledge, but in terms of the big issues of life. I hope you have a good incentive to get into God's word and to know it better. And please take advantage of all the podcast episodes I've released so far. Also take advantage of going over to betterbiblereading.com where you can find blog articles. I do do a little bit in the written blog space as well, even though the audio format here on the podcast is what I do the most, but I do write some articles. And again, take advantage of that free training, betterbiblereading.com forward slash free training, where I literally help you study a book of the Bible. And lastly, speaking of big questions of life, I would love to answer some questions that you have for me. Maybe you have a question about what the Bible says about this topic or that topic, or maybe you have some study tips that you're wanting to find out. I would love to answer those. Simply go over to betterbiblereading.com. You can click on the ask questions tab. You can submit your question and I would love to feature it in an upcoming show. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day.